So good day everyone and welcome to the Magali's Tourism Podcast. This is your host Rian Immelman. I'm the founder of Magali's Tourism and also the Magali's Tourism Podcast. I must say we are very fortunate to to be in a very tranquil place um, in Magalisburg um, this afternoon. Within our mobile pop-up studio here at Black Horse in the Magalisburg mountain range, we've got Bernard Bota from Black Horse Estate. Bernard, very warm welcome here to the Magalis Tourism Podcast. Thank you, Rian. I really appreciate the opportunity. Bernard, so tell us more about yourself and the origin of Black Horse that people want to know, please. Well, Black Horse started basically in 1995 when um, my daughter, we were living in the city and my daughters were get, getting sick and um, from smog in the morning, so hanging around the city air. And um, I started looking out for a small place outside the city. Uh, we found a property and um, then the name the, the Black Horse came from the fact that we, as a family, wanted some horses. And, um, yeah, and I, I was looking for a horse that could carry me. And I'm not the lightest guy around. So we settled on Frisians at that stage, which was a fairly rare breed in South Africa. And, yeah, that's where the whole black brand Black Horse came from. And that was 95. And we lived here as a family till. 2012, when we actually first started the brewery and the restaurant and started opening the place up for uh, the public. So, Bernard, is there still horses on the on the farm, on the estate currently, yeah? Yeah, we still got a couple of Frisians. Um, you know, Black Horse really can't go without a Black Horse. So, we um, got three stallions, a gelding and a mare. And hopefully, at this stage, hopefully a mare is pregnant. So, we'll... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hopefully we'll have a little folio by October if everything goes well. Uh, that is that's awesome because the brand for me is you know the brand and the place that you're visiting is not just a logo, it's not a name. You can you can really experience um, um, the horses uh, on the estate currently. So that is uh, that's very unique and it it it, it it's it's close thing to to the brand. Bernard, so you started in 2012. You started the the brewery. So, I'm a novice in terms of, you know, how to start up a brewery and what's the difference between a, a craft beer and normal beer. So, please tell me, um, especially, and the listeners out there that is really novices um, about um, starting up the brewery in 2012. Now, Rian, the, the idea of the brewery actually came along one evening of, after the um, a couple of cases of beer. <laughs> so uh, we were visiting with some friends and as usual I had one beer too many. It's always the last one that makes the difference. And I said to my friends, I said, oh, I can't drink this commercial beer anymore. I think I'll just start brewing my own beer. And uh, I'll just build a brewery was actually the words. And I kind of forgot about it, but they didn't forget about it. And um, over a period of time, every time they see me, they ask me, so when are you starting a brewery? They said, you come back there to be at the commercial beer we were drinking at evening. And I spoke to my wife. I said, oh, maybe we must do it. Maybe I must just build myself a little 50-liter brewery and have fun. And build a little pub for myself and my friends and we can watch the rugby and drink the beer that I was supposed to make. 
Yeah, that was, and then the project grew a little bit. You know, with everything we sometimes start something and we don't really know where to go and where it's going to go and so forth. So I started looking at brewery equipment and um, found some equipment online and imported equipment in the day and it wasn't a 50 liter brewery. It was came down to a 100 liter brew house, which is actually a very small brewery, but we could do a double brew in a day. So we could make uh, 200, oh, well, actually, sorry, 200 liter brew house and we can make about 400 liters beer from one fermenter uh, in a batch. So, yeah, so we ended up with a brewery that can make about two and a half thousand liter beer, uh, that, that, that little small brewery in a month. And that's if we do lagers, which is uh, quite a slow brew. And um, then I said to her, well, now, obviously, uh, am I going to make too much beer? So we need to maybe get some people in to come and taste this beer to get rid of it. And, yeah, that's where it started. And then she said to me, but if you want to give people beer, you also have to feed them some can't let them come in, drink beer, and then drive without actually having something in their stomach. And, yeah, then, that was actually supposed to be my hobby. And then Nishka, my daughter, uh, she was involved at that stage, and she didn't really, um, I don't think she really wanted to be at Varsity as far as the studies was concerned. So she enjoyed uh, Varsity life a hell of a lot, and, um, but didn't pass much. I think she was more waitering and playing bar lady and partying and doing everything else except getting to the books. So I said, okay, well, now it's time for you to come and do my hobby because um, the equipment's standing here. I don't have the time. I'm working full time. And, um, yeah, and she started in the Western Cape, went to a couple of small breweries. Um, some guys gave her the opportunity, showed her a little bit around, showed how the process worked because now we sat with a brewery without actually any knowledge of, of brewing. Uh, we read a lot, but you know, books only give you so much information. It's nice and if you actually um, come and experience it. And um, yeah, and then she came up. Luckily at that stage, I had a friend who was the GM of Heineken South Africa. They were just building the Heineken brewery in Sibdeng. Uh, and he gave her the opportunity to work with the brewmaster that actually came over from the Netherlands at that stage. So she said she basically did a three-month internship at Heineken before we started brewing our own beer. So, so Nushka, I've read an article. She was the youngest brewmaster or mistress, I don't know what you call it, um, in South Africa at one stage. Yeah, they actually call women that's brewers, they call them brewsters. Brewsters, so yeah, okay. It sounds cool. like brewsters. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, yes, at this stage she was, yeah. But, you know, as everything changes, we also get colder and there's young people coming in, yes. Yeah. But she's still one of the few um, female brewers in South Africa. Yeah. So Nushka is also a member of the Mahalis Business and Tourism Forum. And as you know, Mahalis Tourism and the podcast is an initiative of the Mahalis Business and Tourism Forum. Bernard, that's very interesting. So what is the difference between, and again, uh, um, craft and e-craft? Correct, yeah. Um, nowadays, I really don't know. Um, it's in the beginning, it used to be um, just people with a lot of passion kind of made their own beer in a smaller scale and much more flavorful beers. But um, 
that's changed over time now. We, the craft breweries in South Africa, when we started out, were really volume-wise very small. But in the meantime, a number of craft breweries actually developed it. Well, in my sense, is actually more commercial breweries, and they make commercial-style beers, which is highly carbonated. Uh, do a, they do high gravity brewing where they grew, uh, brew a beer at seven percent or seven half, eight percent, and then blend it down with water down to a four percent. Uh, they also cut the brewing time, uh, the aging time, especially in your lagers, your lagering time, and they use enzymes and things like that. And we as craft brewers, I think the people who are still really craft brewers in their bones and actually wants to do the, the, I can't say it's the right way, but it wants to do the craft way. Um, still brew a very pure beer. We still basically stick to the Rhinoinsgebot, which is malted barley, hops, water, and then at the later stage, they added yeast to the, to the mix. And we brew our beers at the percentage of alcohol that we actually got to sell it at. Uh, so we don't water down, we don't blend, we don't do those type of things. And I think the other thing is that craft beer in general is, is a little bit more tasty. Um, not always everybody's taste, but yeah, it's got a little bit more flavor. It's not necessarily so heavily carbonated as your commercial beers are. And, and unfortunately, it's also a little bit more pricey. It is more expensive due to the fact that it's made in a smaller, on a smaller scale. Um, uh, the ingredients that goes in there is more expensive than what normally goes in the commercial beers. And yeah, so it's just it's a it's a clean, fair, and realistic beer. That's what it comes down to. Anyway. No, and I must say, Black Horse is definitely up there with everyone in South Africa. I've read the article. Um, yesterday about you know the top um, breweries um, handcrafted breweries here in in south africa um you know clarence um up there with clarence Mahalis, um black horse um a few others in french hook as well so uh, so so really um you're making waves um in the industry and it's been recognized by everyone now no, I think that article was more about not so much how perfect the brewery is but more about uh, the scenery around the brewery yeah. And I would say that's, that's something that Black Horse has got. Black Horse is probably more one of the more scenic uh, breweries and establishments that brew beer in South Africa. So I know if you if you visit the restaurant here at, at Black Horse, um, one of the options are a variety of, of tasters. So you can taste a little bit of, of the beer as well. And uh, tell us more about the product range in terms of that. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm a lager drinker, so I kind of forced some lagers down Nishka's throat. <laughs> um, and there was a specific one, like a premium lager, that uh, I'd like a little bit more bitter beer, but at a lower uh, alcohol level. So she managed to put a, a beer together for me, which is a 3.2% alcohol beer, because I, I drink quite a bit. And um, But our range basically includes two to three lagers, depending on the season. Uh, sometimes we do a dunkel, which is a dark lager. Then we've got a couple of ales. We've got the Irish Red, we've got the Porter, we've got the IPA. Um, and then every now and then we do an IPA, a specialty beer, which is uh, American Palo. Uh, I think currently we've got one of them on tap. 
And also, we've got about nine beers. And then, of course, we do a ginger beer, which is a ginger beer that's infused with strawberries. And we also do a, a organic ginger beer, which is not made, it's actually made from fresh ginger. So, yeah, we've got a, a fairly nice range. I think it's something for everybody's taste buds in the, in the range of beers. So, what is your distribution model to distribute the, the, the beer? It's very popular here. And, you know, when I'm here, you know, I will have a beer here. But can I can I buy it in a in a in a spar or bottle store or, or not yet? Now we do a little bit of distribution. Um, our, our whole, as we spoke earlier, our whole philosophy around our distribution was actually first to to serve the Mahalisburg market and see. Uh, now, if you come to Mahalisburg, you don't necessarily have to come to Blackhorse to have a Blackhorse beer. You can drink it in a couple of places around Mahalis. Mm. And then to, from there to build it out to a place like Rustenburg, Brits, Pontchestroom, Fochville, Paris, and then mainly on the, the western side of Johannesburg, Lunaport, and so forth, and then up a little bit into Pretoria. Um, currently, we do bottle our lagers. Um, it's only our nitrogen-based beers that we, doesn't, we don't um, bottle, which is our Irish Red Ale and our, our, um, our porter. Um, due to the fact that nitrogen breaks out in the bonding process and we don't have the right equipment for that. Yeah, so it's, it's available in bottles, stores, um, some Topsers, some liquor cities, some ultra liquors. So there's a couple of um, of the change that actually carries our product, but they also just carry it very localized. We, we are not right through the whole of counting. Due to the fact that we do our own distribution, we still try and keep it as close as possible and keep the cold chain going. Many international listeners are, are listening to the show now, and uh, when they land at Oatambo International Airport, they, they really want to experience Black Horse. So Mahalis Tourism is definitely offering tours to Black Horse as well as a day trip. So um, tell us more, Bernard, a little bit more about what can um, tourists expect with the, um, with the brewery tour with Marius. Um, yeah, the brewery to uh, Morris is actually quite good. He was never the type of guy that would have done it, but um, he changed his personality as far as that's concerned <laughs> because he comes from the IT industry. Yes. But um, yeah, he takes, you know, if people book the brewery tour online, um, so actually you can either do just a brewery tour <clears throat> or distillery one or a brewery and distillery combined. But he takes you right through the process from, well, first he takes you through, through the history of Black Horse and you know, how it came about and how, what all the buildings are and how they fit in together and the family and so forth. And then he takes you into a hell of a lot of detail as far as the, the process is concerned, from the crushing of the malt, the quality of the water that we use, the process of how combining everything, cooling it down, pitching the yeast, uh, ABVs, IBUs, the whole tutti around brewing. Uh, so, he's, I would say, and he, and he answers a lot of questions. And mm. he's very knowledgeable. He's very knowledgeable also on the chemical side around brewing. So, if somebody really is really or, or really interested in, um, in taking up brewing as a hobby, or uh, he'll definitely be able to ask the questions and he'll get the right answers and he'll be able to understand the process a lot more than just you know, reading a book and looking at something mm. on a video or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. That's very unique, Bernard. So, let's move. In 2014, you've expanded the business and then you also established the distillery part of the business. So, 
it's the vodkas and the gins. Um, please tell us more about that. Well, that is another drunken story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's as if um, all the things in this place happen to the liquor in our hands and in our bodies. Yeah, Morris and Dennis were actually visiting us and um, we were visiting on the, on the veranda and um, after a couple of beers too many, obviously, we, we said, uh, I said to him, why don't we just start making a whiskey too? And at that stage, the two of them were traveling the world. They were basically full-time on holiday. And uh, they were spending most of the time in the States. And and I think Morris took it more seriously, more serious than what I actually um, envisaged, envisaged to be. So he started visiting distilleries right through uh, North America and at the later stage down into Chile and so forth. And um, yeah, and then I came back and I said, well, we're going to start a distillery, and we had to find a space, and they bought the equipment, and we went into a partnership on the distillery side, and uh, yeah, and the two of them went over to China from where we bought the equipment, they actually went to see it, and I can't say the rest is history, but the, the, the process got going, and yeah, so at the moment we're making um, a gin, well, not just a gin, we started with our first gin, was called Morality. Uh, which is based on the, the story basically starts in, I think, in the 1600s when the woman of the night had to drink gin to be able to, to perform their jobs a little bit better and to take the edge off. And um, and then a friend of us actually, because we were planning on bringing out more gins than just morality. And the other day again, with a social event, um, a friend of us, suggested that we, why don't we make, why don't we call it the seven deadly gins? And because um, it fits very well with our base gin called morality. Yeah, so we're busy bringing out, bringing out the range of gins now, of which greed was the first one that we launched, which is a citrusy um, gin that's got some gold flakes in it. And I think the next one that's coming out now is Lust which is a pomegranate-based gin, uh, also pink. So, yeah, so we're working towards our seven deadly gins and morality. So we'll mm. be able to, at this, some stage in the future, we'll be able to buy it in a, like, a pack mm. of all the gins in the 500 million bottles. So gin is very popular um, currently um, in South Africa. So I think you're on the right path there in terms of, um, you know, the market. I think there's a, there's a need for the market in terms of that. Bernard, you're very, very successful over weekends, uh, even weekdays, um, open from Wednesday until Sundays here at Black Horse. Um, and public holidays. Huh? And uh, public holidays, obviously. So, um, Except Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. That's the only time we basically... Yes. Yes, so I know that you must always do a reservation here at Black Horse. It is extremely popular. What is what is the secret of your success here at Black Horse? Now, the always reservation thing is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's safe to do it, make a reservation. But um, uh, if you're smaller groups or whatever, you know, then... It's just when you become 10 people or 8 people or so, that it becomes difficult to accommodate people on a very short um, uh, very short notice period. But um, I actually don't know. I think the, the success of Black Horse is it's a tranquil environment. Um, people enjoy it 
Did the fact that they sometimes get the feeling that they somewhere in Europe, uh, without us actually having the idea of building something that's got a very European or Mediterranean feel to, to it. Yeah, and then of course I think of firstly our beer is good. I think we well blowing our own trumpet here, but I think we're making some of the nicest and most drinkable craft beers in South Africa. And and the same with our gin. Our gin and our gin and tonic mix is beautiful. And then of course our quality of our standard of our food is is good in a sense that it's um it's not fine dining, it's a fair portion at a reasonable price. And but I think if people come here and they had the lunch with us or the dinner with us that they they can actually feel that I, I paid for it, but I just got so much more than that. And there's then of course service that some that's something that we really work hard on to actually keep the service standard up. So the whole, I think it's about the whole experience. You know, you can go for a walk, and and, a, and you've been here a couple of times. You've seen it. People walk through the gardens. We've got beautiful gardens. They walk down to the horses. They even walk down to our cattle. And something I must add to it now: we, um, we just bought some belted Galloways. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they look like Oreo cookies. Okay. Cattle. So we we starting with these belties here, which is going to be something nice and different in South Africa. Yeah, I think that's that's the whole experience, you know. It's just that, and uh, and I believe our staff are very friend, friendly. And of course, we've got stunning trees. Um, in winter, they all lose their leaves, so it's nice to sit in a little bit of sun and get the winter sun. And in summer, they all you're basically sitting under under a tree canopy, which which also makes it nice. I want to add two things to it, and that is the accessibility of um, black holes from Johannesburg, Pretoria, within an hour, you can be in this tranquil um, environment, so you don't have to drive far. It's a nice outing. And then also, your hands on Bernard. You are, you are staying on the property, you are you are here, and, and you are managing this property with uh, with an iron fist. Well, we try. You know, that, it's an old saying, far from your goods is, not you, I'd say, of course I know better, but yeah, that you, mm. you lose things if you're not close to your business. Um, but uh, something I can also add that uh, something that's very nice about the area is that we are the, the, um, geographically it's called Middlefeld, um, and we are basically stuck between the Witwatersrand Mountains on the one side and the, the um, Hollis Mountains on the other side. And um, in this area, most of the bird life of the Highfeld and of the Bushveld actually comes together. So we've got stunning, stunning mm. bird life. So if you if you had black horse, I mean, the chances are good that you'll see one or two woodpeckers. You'll see, um, it's just a variety. We even got fish eagle coming through the valley, and you might sit here and hear a fish eagle um, calling. So yeah, it's it's really it's different. It's like a little bit of Mpumalanga and Gauteng. Bernard, you've also got weddings here. Um, very tranquil, again, tranquil um, um, situation here. Um, great venue. Tell us more about the weddings here at Black Horse. Rian, yeah, yeah, we, um, when we started the, the wedding side of it, we, we actually decided that uh, we're going to give a bride the opportunity to um, really enjoy a wedding. It's not going to be a sausage machine. It's not going to be something where we just push one wedding after the other one through. Uh, we're going to give a 
if she wants to come in on the first day and set up a first day Saturday, a uh, Friday, Saturday morning, she can go take her time and actually do it properly. So yeah, we we we, we do a fair amount of weddings. Um and I must say in general, or more than general, um the people who get married by us are very happy with the service, with the food, with the the party they're actually having for themselves. So all we can do is just contribute to make that special day more special for them. And I want to congratulate Bernard. Her daughter uh, got married the other day, yeah, at Black Horse. So that was also a special occasion. Yeah, that was a wonderful party. <laughs> um, the last thing, second last thing, actually, um, accommodation uh, on the premises. So, for example, if guests are people getting married here, the guests, um, can they stay on the premises or people just want to visit um, Black Horse, can they stay overnight here? Yeah, we do have a little bit of accommodation. Um, the easiest to, to get our accommodation is just to go to our website. Um, all our accommodation bookings are online uh, and there is photos available of the, the accommodation. Yeah, so we, we do have a, a nice number of people staying over. We also do little conferences so during the week we get five or ten people that actually stays over and do a conference with us, which is quite nice and it's quite aristic, if you can call it that, mm, out in mm. the country, being away from the city. And then we also, this is something I want to add, we also got a very nice gift shop, so yes. um, where we sell black horse um, t-shirts, caps, you know, all those black horse type things. And then Karen's got a variety of other things that she, from jewellery to Whenever she travels over the world, that she brings back and sells in the shop. And so, so it's actually quite. That is, there's a couple of things to do at Black Horse. It's just just coming for a beer. Exactly, and then everything around the area. Uh, you know, people go, can go to the Cradle of Humankind, Maruping, um, hikes, um, different kinds of activities. Obviously, in the Mahalis Valley, that they can experience. And then the last thing, Bernard, is. Um, uh, you've also planned a wine and craft festival for the Mahalis Rocks, the Cradle Festival. And also, I know tomorrow is also Christmas in July here at, at Black Horse, a grand affair. But tell us more about the wine and craft festival um, on the 25th of August. Yeah, I, I, maybe I must just first talk about the 23rd of August. Good, okay, go the, ahead. The evening of the 23rd of August is um, uh, the Friday thing. Well, that's basically the kickoff of the Mahalis Rock, the Cradle, where all the venues are taking, Mahalis is taking part in. And um, so that evening we've got a, a beer evening where we, we actually, we, we are brewing a speciality for the evening that we're actually giving away to everybody that comes to Black Horse so they can drink, I don't want to say as much as I want to, because maybe we're not going to have enough beer, but um, there's going to be one beer for available mm. on tap for free for that evening. And the idea is just to have a very nice party in the brewery itself and so people can just enjoy them and, and we're actually reaching out to especially to our locals to get them here and say that evening come just come and let your head down at Black Horse and then Saturday you better recover because Sunday we're having the Wine and Craft Festival. Mm. Now the Wine and Craft Festival is um, the first time we're actually hosting a Wine and Craft Festival. We've done some other festivals but um, yeah, we're looking at about 30 wine farms we'll have at Black Horse for that day. Um, we also got a lot of craft stalls. We talking to some cheese farms to bring some nice cheeses in. Uh, we'll have a beer garden um, and we and live music. So we we probably gonna have two bands playing that day for, for the 
festival. And people can just, it will be down in the paddocks by the horses. And people can just relax, sit down, put their picnic blankets out, uh, enjoy good food and beer and wine and whatever for the day. And just have a nice family outing and just be rustic in the, in the countryside. That's all. That's great, Bernard. So everyone listening um, in Gauteng, in, in actually the whole South Africa, um, if you want to visit Black Horse, please visit their website, blackhorse.co.za. Black Horse is also listed on the mahalishtourism.co.za website, and you can uh, find ev everything on offer um, at Black Black Horse on our social media pages as well as um, our websites. And then international tourists, please look out on the mahalishtourism.co.za website. There will be more information about the date trips, especially to the Mahalis Valley and especially to Black Horse. And uh, yeah, that is um, that that is what's on offer. Bernard Boto, thank you very much for um, being here um, at at your own place at at Black Horse. It was a pleasure talking to you, and um, we are looking forward to the Mahalis Rocks Cradle Festival as well. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming to Black Horse, um, and I wish you all the best of your endeavors as far as the Mahalis tourism is concerned. And if, you know, we always yeah, we can help. We'll help. Thank you very much, and we'll chat again. Thanks, Bernard. Thanks, This podcast is sponsored by Tourism.co.za, a one-stop portal to promote tourism in the Mahalis Valley. Within 60 minutes from Johannesburg and Victoria, and close to Lanciera International Airport and the Cradle of Humankind, the Mahalis Valley is the perfect destination for a breakaway or holiday destination for local and international tourists.